Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Scream 6. Joining me, he just got out of Econ. It's The Rewind's resident Scream scholar, Adam Lichtenstein. Adam, what's going on? Uh, not too much, not too much. Um, um, yeah, definitely. It's definitely an econ and I was in study hall the entire time. Everyone can vouch for me. You have a, you have a pretty good alibi that like we should just, you know, totally not look into it all just cause you say so. Don't um, worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, Scream six is the, uh, is the sequel to 2022's, uh, requel, uh, Scream, which was not called Scream five, it, but it picks up following a lot of the same characters that we met for the first time then, including, uh, Melissa Barrera's Sam Carpenter, her younger sister, Tara, played by Jen Ortega, who was on a whole other le- ma- level of magnitude of fame since we talked about that movie last year. Uh, also Jasmine Savoy Brown is back playing Mindy, their friend and her twin Chad played by, uh, Mason Gooding is also back. They all went to the they all went to the same college, or the three of them, the, the three younger ones, uh, Melissa Barrera, Sam is, you know, a bit older, but she went to go, you know, be with her sister while she uh in while she enjoyed college in New York because, you know, they went through a trauma together, wants to be there for her. She's making ends meet in New York, uh, living with her and they're, you know, they're making do. And uh even though it seems like Tara might be, you know, partying a little too hard, not dealing with the trauma she's gone through. They're, they're all getting by, but all of a sudden, you know, there is another ghost face attack, as it happens to be the case of being in these movies. Uh, a, a professor from their fictitious university, Blackmore University, Laura Crane, is catfished by another, by, by someone who just claims to be an online date and lures her into a dark alley. And she, she is actually a film professor at this college specializing in slasher movies, because of course. And uh, yeah, she's killed, but we actually see who the killer is right off the bat. A recognizable face uh, played by Tony Revolori, who you might know from, you know, I don't know, the Spider-Man movies, Grand Budapest Hotel, whatnot. His character, Jason Carvey, is there and he is, uh, you know, apparently planning some murders with one of his roommates. And but then he gets a call from a different ghost face who reveals he killed his roommate and uh, then kills Jason. Uh, and then uh, th- this whole ghost set of new ghost face attacks sets our main characters into action because, you know, all of a sudden this has now followed them all the way across the country to New York City. Adam, I want to start by usually I ask the guests a question to start. I'm going to start by talking myself because, you know, people listen to us talk last year about about Scream. And I was like fairly down on the movie. I'd say, you know, one of the probably the honestly, that might have it might have been like the most I'd ever like differed from a guest on something. And I think I was fairly down I was fairly down on the, th- the thing as a whole operation, even if I found, you know, isolated horror sequences within it that I enjoyed and I enjoyed the performances. I just, I just didn't really like it. And, uh, but that didn't stop me from, you know, uh, taking you up on the offer to marathon all of the Scream movies in advance of Scream 6. And which I am very glad I did because I think it gave me like a whole other level of context by which I could enjoy these movies. And because going into that one, I was, you know, just a little, uh, I was a little, I was a little confused because I'd only ever seen the first Scream. And I don't, for people that don't remember us talking on that episode, I, I think that was important context because if you've only ever seen the first Scream and then you watch Scream 5, like you're missing a lot of important stuff. You're missing like just, uh, you have no context for what the Stab franchise even is. Because that you know the events of Scream inspired Stab within this universe, you don't really understand how those core characters who are still more prominent in Scream. I'm just going to call it Scream Five because it's it, you know, and you, there's more prominent characters that are still there in Scream Five. You don't understand how they've all been drawn to this, back into this over and over again, and why Sydney might even show back up just beyond Dewey just dying. You you don't understand how they become famous from the Stab movies in a way that like just because a ghost shows up anywhere that really does put them at risk. You know, and I didn't grasp that. I'm like, why are they doing this? Why are they even involving themselves, putting themselves at risk? Why do they keep commenting on everything else that's happening like, and make, talking about horror movies? It just didn't make sense to me because I hadn't seen these other movies. And when you t- take an 11 year break and then don't call it Scream 5, then like it kind of like I kind of went in just assuming I would get it and they would I wouldn't need all that context. But I really did. And it really helped me enjoy this movie and honestly, probably retroactively enjoying Scream 5. So I would say like I have plenty of things to nitpick with. I'm going to understand I'm, I'm, I mean, and I'm going to get to that. But like on the whole, I had a very enjoyable time with you at this theater, aside from some rowdy teens that were sitting to our right, who I'm still kind of angry about. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, I, had, I had a really good time with this movie because I had all that context for the other screen movies. And I think it was really well done. And we're going to talk all about the details, but I want to say like, look, I, as someone that came out as a bit of a hater of the last one, I am, they've now kind of turned me a little bit. So I'm happy to say that because I now have the proper context and the proper framework by which to enjoy these movies. That was never a concern for you. You were like uh, the foremost scream scholar in my life. And, uh, (laughs) and, and and you've seen all these movies more times than you can probably count. 
And, uh, and, and, and you did like the one last year, but like, I think you're in some ways you're an easy mark, but in other ways, you know, to, to enjoy these movies, cause they they have such a special place in your heart. But on the other hand, someone that knows them that well can probably also, you know, critique them a little more, uh, knowledgeably and critically. So I'm wondering, uh, as we kind of like headed into like a new, uh, another one of these, you knew going in, there wasn't going to be any Sydney Prescott, uh, Nev Campbell bowed out at the last minute and we had a new setting. So I'm wondering as someone that's just knows these movies so well, uh, what were you hoping to, what are you even hoping to get out of when you go to another one of these now? Like, what were you most excited about and in what ways did it meet or exceed your expectations? Well, first off, uh, it's an honor to be the foremost scream scholar in your life. Um, <laughs> I do, I do love these movies very much. Um, and yeah, as far as what I was expecting or what I wanted from scream six, you know, like I said, like you said, I knew Nev Campbell wouldn't be back for this movie. So what I was really hoping for was that I could get attached to these characters like this new cast because while while yeah uh courtney cox is coming back as gail weathers and i knew hayden panettiere was coming back as kirby reed from scream 4 it's basically it's just the new cast so i know with scream 4 which while i enjoy the movie i never really got attached to those characters during the course of that movie mm. i did a bit during scream 5 and i'm thinking what coming into this movie okay i need to care about these characters if it's if i'm going to truly enjoy this movie and that's the thing that other slasher franchises don't really have like most slasher franchises don't have a cast of maybe there's one character a Laurie Strode or someone who you care about from movie to movie but a lot of times it's just you know expendable teenagers getting you know cut up by Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees or whoever so it's like if you want to set Scream franchise apart you have to have characters that you care about uh, and I'm very glad that this movie did that I think that's where maybe it, the best thing that it did was uh, really develop these new characters to the point where by the end of the movie, I'm like actively cheering when a character that we thought was going to die turns out to be alive. And a lot of people have nitpicks about it, but I'm like, I don't care. He's coming back for another movie. I'm very happy about that. So well, that's that's good that like they that that you like him that much that you got that kind of rush out of it as opposed to just being snarky about that like I did. Maybe we'll talk yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah, and we, we can definitely talk. That's the biggest critique there is out there in the movie right now among like horror fans and scream fans well so i was i i I didn't you know i just i just had a pretty busy uh weekend and uh i worked almost a full day on sunday so i just haven't i i I usually go into these things i haven't read a single review of this i don't so i I just know the reviews are overall pretty solid uh but like i haven't i've watched i've read very little reaction to it so i don't really exactly know what most people are critiquing um aside from that i but but i did actually listen to most of a podcast with the directors uh before we started and one point they made is like look i think one thing that sets this franchise apart is that like those core characters did survive through the first four movies and so like a lot of them in some ways because of that ended on hopeful notes and that probably made people's relationships with these movies a little different it made them keep coming back because they had good feelings about it it didn't fall off maybe in the way that some stuff might when it got to like not that stream four is great necessarily but like you know uh at least like those people are present enough that like you know people are excited to see them and keep coming back and that's something that you just kind of have to accept at the same time like you know maybe you should subject them to only certain amount of like you know physical harm that, by which they can plausibly survive but like i think i i, I do think it's like a fair it's a it's, it's it's not a it's not a bad outcome for these movies to have because if that's something that they want to do if you can if they can effectively like kill people off and keep certain people alive but like keep it keep you coming back and not like and not like have you uh feel like you're having to suspend disbelief too much and that you're getting enough out of the kills that are there more power to you you know so i i will say that because i think that's a way that kind of sets the franchise apart whereas like maybe others like you said they just they just don't have the recurring character thing it's like it's, it's a cool thing to have to have like these long-standing relationships and if jenna ortega wants to keep making these movies uh like as big of a star as she is then like that's cool because she's like a like you, you could you could even argue she might be a, a, a better actress than like anyone in those first four movies and if they can have an actress of that caliber stick around to do stuff with them like by all means do that i suppose Oh yeah, Janet Ortega. Whatever, whatever she wants, they're gonna they're gonna pay her. Um, which was the big issue with Nev Campbell coming back to was a, a pay dispute. But um, yeah, no, the characters like are great. And I mean, we can if we want to dive into like I said, I've been reading a lot of critiques on on Reddit. Uh, some of the reviews. Listen to about three and a half hours of uh, the Halloweenies podcast. Shout out to them. Uh, they did a two part well, episode on on Scream Six. I don't know if we even necessarily need to do a separate spoiler section of this because I'm assuming anyone listening knows the Scream films well enough that they're just going to see it before they listen to this. But before we even get into this, some of those more specific things that might be spoilerly, let's talk about a little bit of the stuff earlier in the movie first. Sure. Uh, we pick up we pick up with the characters. You know, like you said, most of them have gone off to college and all that. 
I'm, but like, I think notably one thing that we should just start with uh, is that uh, this movie set in New York. Uh, and I, as I learned when I kind of watched uh, Scream 2 and 3, like they're not always like they're, they're not always in Woodsboro, you know, even though uh, I guess one, four and five are. That was one thing a lot of people were kind of excited about for the potential of something like that going in. So what did you think of this setting, uh, whether it be the college campus or just what they what they sold as New York? They didn't film in New York. Uh, and like sometimes I can be picky about that kind of thing, but I don't think at any point it was like, you know, it, like they filmed in Montreal, I think. And yeah. I, 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 there wasn't ever a point. I, I actually have been to Montreal before, but it was like when I was like 12 or 13. So, but like at the same time, there was never like a moment where I was like, oh, that doesn't look like New York. They're really like shooting themselves in the foot by trying to tell us this is New York when it's not. There was never a moment like that. So, so you could just kind of tell if nothing else, it was a city setting. I'm wondering, what did you think of like the way they got these characters to this new point? And uh, the, the setting for that, how did that enhance your experience, if at all, like watching one of these movies in like a very, very like metropolitan setting, even though, again, yeah, uh, three was in L.A., but like uh, this is still a very different kind of um, different kind of setting for one of these movies. Yeah, no, I definitely liked it um, mm -hmm. because really we haven't seen it's never really been in a metro setting like this, even though like Scream 3 was in L.A., it takes place on you know movie sets or in and mansions in mansions. Yeah. So like. Basically, for all of even though Scream Two was set on a college campus, we never really see like almost all the the attack scenes are in houses. They're in houses or, or big buildings, or auditoriums, or other big buildings, which lend themselves well to like chase scenes and stuff. But um, one of the cool things in that this movie did was we saw an attack. We saw an attack in a cramped apartment, like a crappy apartment, like where there's not a lot of room to run and maneuver and stuff. We saw which one. I we saw one in an we saw one in an alley. We saw yeah. one in a cramped apartment. And we saw one in a bodega. Yeah, uh, which oh, I think man, just, the, the bodega scene was like really freaking good and just very unique for these movies. I would say. I think. Oh yeah. It wasn't there? There was one in um. And the subway. And the subway. There was one in. I want to say. Oh yeah, subway too. Yeah, there was one in four. Right or no? That wasn't Ghostface, didn't? Wasn't there one in? No, no, no. There, there, okay, no, no, no. There was no, there was no murder happening in four in like a in like a business. I guess I thought I, I, there was a book signing in, scene, but in like Scream, in Scream Three, there's an attack in a like office in like the movie mm -hmm. office, which is a little bit smaller. Right, but, like, but, but, but like never one in like room. a real, never really one in a business. You know, an active business. No, not really. No. Mm -hmm. Um. That's so true. yeah, like, yeah. And, and I mean, we can talk about that bodega scene, which was maybe mm -hmm. maybe my favorite scene in the movie. Um, which again, as the as the not only scream correspondent but the scream fan correspondent, I think, um, was in the well, not to be that guy. They showed I think they showed too much of it in the trailer, mm -hmm. but when it appeared in the trailer, a lot of scream fans were like, "This is Ghostface doesn't kill with a shotgun. That's not what he does. It's a knife, always a knife, you know, or a gr the occasional garage door." So it was a little controversial. I don't. It wasn't like a big thing, but it's a little controversial. Like, is this what's going on here? Oh, Are they jumping the shark? Because he. Because he got he, he wait re refresh my recollection did he get the bodega owner's gun at some yes. point is that thing yeah so he yeah, yeah he um he like stabs two people who confront him <laughs> and then the bodega owner tries to shoot him with a shotgun he sneaks up and stabs him and takes the bodega owner's shotgun mm. um and kills the bodega owner with it but just that so scene you, like, you weren't you weren't offended as a scream purist that Ghostface no, used a gun not at all not at all it was maybe I mean like I said I wish it wasn't in the trailer as much as it was. Cause it kind of spoiled the scene for me, but like, even without, even with that, you know, knowing that that was going to happen and play out that way, uh, I was still like taken aback by it. It was such a tense scene. Um, even though, you know, both characters survived that the both main characters you, survived, but I guess in theory, they could have killed off one of them. Like, you know, they hadn't like, it'd be weird if like they, 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 they did if like, it was the beginning of the next movie right after they made a big deal, this core four thing and they killed off someone early, but like, you know, like well, it, it wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't be unprecedented for them to like have killed one of them, you know, both, you know, you know, at least one of them is making out of that scene, but like it was still incredibly tense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and well, that, we can get into that maybe this later, but that's actually my prediction for scream seven uh, is that okay, a main character is going to die early. Just up under, up under expectations a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we can get into how many people survived this movie and the criticism around that. But um, yeah, no, that's my that's my early prediction for Scream 7, which we know there's going to be a Scream 7. This movie is very successful. So I guess, I mean, I, again, I agree that just the different kinds of settings for the for, for the kills was like uh, certainly uh, just made it made it feel different, made it feel very fresh. And I thought the I thought I thought the I thought the action is pretty good. I, 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 I mean, even beyond that, I mean. 
that's actually a pretty swanky New York apartment for some uh, it's, college it's a big apartment. Wow. I mean, it's it's cramped compared to the yeah. uh, it's oh, oh, did you mean that? Wait, well, okay, I was, so, gonna, I was just saying, talk about Gail's apartment where she gets attacked later. That's what well, you, well, you, well, you said. Well, you said cramped apartments. I didn't know if you were talking about the, the scene where the the first killer gets killed by the other ghost face or well, the, that too. Well, I was talking, well, I guess both where both uh, where, where, uh, where the, Tara and Sam are living is like honestly feels pretty big for a nice. Uh, even for like college students, but like it's, yeah. it's it's still a different feel than like the mansions of Woodsboro, you know. Right, exactly. Better than these big mountain homes or right, you know, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I thought that scene was crazy intense. Where you know, you really don't have a lot of room to maneuver. You know, you're going from room to room real quickly because you're not running up the stairs and everywhere because there's just not a lot of places to run, and you're you know five stories up or whatever. Yeah, I mean, okay. So one criticism I have of the movie that's not maybe not as big as the other one is like um some of the others because you kind of know who who the cannon fodder is as soon as the movie starts. Was, yeah. But at the same time, they, they they make one of the they make one of those extraneous characters of uh, Mindy's girlfriend, and uh, so you know, there's odds are someone's dying in this scene where they get attacked in the apartment and they're having to uh, walk across the on this ladder so they can get to Sam's uh, secret boyfriend's apartment. And, uh, and at some point someone's going to die and Mindy's girlfriend has already gotten stabbed in the stomach pretty intensely. So it's like, all right, she's already probably survived for too long. She's probably not gonna be able to make it across this ladder. Uh, she dies. And I, and, and I was like, I was kind of like, okay, well, I mean, yeah, made sense. She was going to eat it at some point, but a criticism I had, and I feel like it happened with one other person. I'm not, I don't remember who it was necessarily. Okay, so one thing I thought I, I thought like, I thought Mindy recovered very fast from that. I was like, I don't remember other other moment in like where she was like back to joking fairly soon, and like you know all things considered, like joking is you know I, 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 humor is a part of this movie, but like humor is a part of these movies. But I was like, uh, it felt like fairly fast that she was going back to being like her quirk her, her quippy self. But I feel like there was one other moment where someone that either got killed in this movie or we thought was supposed to be dead, someone else that oh wait. Quinn. Can I well, no, well, oh well i guess that point yeah i mean like that no no i was thinking of like when um fuck it we're, we're, we're in the spoiler part anyway uh you know i as, apart from like someone surviving that's not supposed to survive let's just say like uh at some point we think chad has died and uh and tara is under the impression chad has died but she goes back to like making some jokes not long after that and at, the, at that point they've already like you know uh somewhat uh you know expressed their feelings for each other and kissed and stuff and I'm like, all right, like, you got to, like, I don't know, break it up a little bit or have these. There's a lot of laughs. There's a few different moments like that. And you could say the same about Quinn. She thought her her, her best friend she'd made since she went to college had died. Uh, I was like, you, these movies have to keep it moving. But at the same time, I was like, these people, like, aren't given time to mourn. But, like, I don't know. It's like maybe they're going through trauma. They're in it. They're going to they're gonna make jokes in the moment to kind of cope. But I felt like there were a lot of moments where people, like, got over the death of people that meant a lot to them, like, very fast. Yeah. See, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I think that's just a part of a, you know, having to, you know, have to move it, the movie along. Yeah. But I do think, I do think they did do a little bit. I mean, yeah, Mindy's still, you know, making some jokes and stuff. But I feel like after uh, her girlfriend Annika dies, I feel like she's a lot more tense and a lot more on edge. She might still be making jokes, but she's a little more like she's like, I need to find out who Ghostface is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm stay away from me. You know, thinking that. Oh yeah. Uh, Ethan's the. Is Ghostface like stay away from me? Like you know, don't look at me. Like I feel like she is a bit more mm-hmm. tense, you know. After that, like she's still sure upset. But yeah, I think overall, in the interest of moving the movie along, like there still has to be like you know, they're still going to keep with the humor, even though like obviously, if real people were in these situations, they probably would be a little more uh, in mourning. Plus, all these characters have been through this once before. This is just this is their second rodeo, so they're they're used to it at this point. Sure. Well, uh... Okay, so I guess I guess we'll just I guess we'll just move it along then. What did you, what did you ultimately think of like um, or actually, uh, before 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 I move to the end, uh, did you one did you like did, did you feel the absence of uh of no Sydney Prescott and Neff Campbell uh any more or less than you expected to? And what did you think about how the movie incorporated Gail? Um, no, the the first question, um, I was fine with. I I, I was all of course upset that Neff Campbell wasn't in the movie mm-hmm. um it's very hard to have a screen movie without sydney prescott but i do think they did it pretty well um because like you know i know we talked about it uh after scream five and, and i got like, it at scream five why she came back i got it yeah but yeah but it's like why does she keep you know why isn't she just like in hiding she and has a family movie, yeah in this movie it's just like okay you know um uh there's ghost face attacks on the other side of the country that sounds like a whole lot of not my problem so good luck so I'm perfectly okay with that. I w- I ended up as much as like 
I'm I'm with Nev Campbell. Like if she's gonna be in the movie, pay her. Like pay her her money. She's made this franchise what it is. Um, in terms of like the actual plot, um, I didn't have a problem with it. Um, right, and it will before I before you get to the the second question about Gail. I, I guess I'll say on that point too. I, I I agree with you in that like I guess yeah she's gonna be in it like she deserves to make money but like you know it makes sense like I get it she kind of went back because of Dewey dying and it does put her family at risk at some point but at another point it's like you do have a family and if going into hiding somewhere where that ghost face these people aren't gonna be able to track you down because like when she thinks about it it's like yeah she's been a part of it but it's not like there's ever been a ghost face that hasn't gotten caught so it's like <laughs> it, like the ghost because part of what makes these movies interesting to me is that like ghost face is not quite the you know. Uh, the superhuman killing machine that certain other horror movie villains might be like the ghost, the ghost faces are like fallible. They like, they're able to get punched in the face and knocked down and stuff like that. Like you're usually going to be able to, they might do a lot of damage, but you're normally going to get them. So Sydney should kind of like probably know that and be like, all right, maybe I shouldn't just leave my kids. Maybe we'll just wait, wait this one out a little bit, see what happens. And it kind of makes sense from that perspective. If going into hiding is an option at a certain point, like your family might not really appreciate you just like, flying across the country if you can hunker down for a minute and see what happens when like all of New York city is probably after this uh, person, like, you know, so I, 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 it, it makes sense from that perspective. And also from the perspective of like, they're going to keep this thing going. They probably do need to focus on the new generation. Yeah. That, that was exactly my point. Like, um, I, I thought Gail in the movie was good. I love Gail Weathers as a character. I love Courtney Cox as an actress. I love how um, it's always super antagonistic when she showed up. They're just like, yeah. we're going to make we're gonna make everyone annoyed at her because like, and she's eventually going to win you over, but like, we're always going to have everyone be pissed at her because she insists on like making tons of money off this trauma and fair. Yeah, which is a fair, and there's a lot of people who are annoyed like that they kind of retcon because at the end of Scream 5, she's like, uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to let these killers die in, in anonymity. I'm going to write a book about Dewey instead. And then she's like, Ah, I don't know. I'm gonna write a book anyway about the Upper West Side penthouses don't pay for themselves. Yeah, it's true. You need you need that stab money. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm not too too beat. I'm not beat up about that. Um, I thought she was good in the movie. She's always good. No, I, I wasn't saying that as a criticism. Yeah. It's like it makes yeah, no, sense no, 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 that no. they'd be annoyed at her. It's it's just funny that's how kind of every movie starts, and then she kind of like wins everyone over. But they have to get mad at her yeah. again because she can't resist the money. And I, I appreciated the homage to the first two screen movies where like um, Sam goes to punch her and she dodges it and then Tara punches her in the face, which is a nice little homage to the first two. Um, but all this goes into my, my I guess, my larger feelings is that like by the time, especially like when I after seeing it the second time, I'm like, I come out of the movie and I'm thinking if Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox are never in another screen movie again, I won't be devastated i don't need them in the movies anymore because the new cast is so good so, 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 I, so they won you over to that extent in this one yes or if they if they don't appear in the movies again like of course i you know i i love them i won't be upset if they are in them but like i don't need them to be in there i'm like i feel like part of the reason why they brought courtney cox back um is to make sure like you still have that that taste of the original movies, you know, the, or the first five, really, you still have that legacy character, even if uh, Sidney Prescott's not in it. But now I'm like, you know, I'm fully invested in these these new characters. I'm happy when they're on screen. They they are the heart of the franchise now. Not Sydney and not Gale, and obviously not Dewey. R.I.P. We don't need them. We're we've pat moved past the need for the original trio. I, I'm, I'd be happy if, like, in Scream 7, they, they get a cameo. Or even if it's something as simple as, like, Nev Campbell appears on a Zoom call. Like, hey, mm-hmm. good luck, sure. guys. Like, we, you know, we're all counting on you. Good luck. Like, Leslie Nielsen in, in Airplane. But, like, no, I, I'm fully invested in this new in this new cast. And that's coming from someone who absolutely loves all six Scream movies. Like, I don't need Sidney Prescott and, and Gail Weathers in the next one. Uh, if they're in it, great. If they're not, that's fine, too. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I would agree. I, um, you know, I, I was going to ask, like, if there was, a, if, as someone that, like, I watched the, the, I was going to ask, we, we watched all those other movies, all the first five leading up, they're kind of a blur to me, and I just don't know the characters as well because of that. I was like, but if they, is, is there, like, anyone else out there that, like, would be able to come back and make a cameo that you can even think of? Because it feels like most of the people from, aside from them, have just died from the earlier movies. There's, like, not a lot of other ties besides, like, Kirby, you know? Yeah, yeah, most of the other characters who could make a reappearance are, are like real, we're getting into like real, like minutia. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Courtney Cox's cameraman in scream Two survived. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, he just random. ran off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he's like, like uh, he's like, I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I'm getting the hell out of here, which it worked. He survived. But yeah, scream three, no one really scream four. No one really like 
Um, and three and five, yeah, no one really outside the core four. So like you'd have to like dig deep for like real like ancillary characters to to make F anyone else really come back. Yeah, what did you think about uh so let me ask then, because as, as I'm watching these movies, it's fun to kind of try and figure out who Ghostface might be uh, once you're like seeing everything that's happening, where people are at certain points and all that. Uh, and, you know, and you kind of put together clues here and there about, oh, could it be this person because of this? Or it wouldn't make sense if it's uh, that person based on that. So you, you can put all those together sometimes, but the movies still usually end up able to surprise you because they can, there can be any number of Ghostfaces and that kind of like, you know, then changes your perception of what you already saw. But so I, I say all that to say, how did these revelations ultimately play for you? And that they they tie this back to uh, Scream Five in a way that, like you know, uh, interesting that interesting they decided to go that way. I, I'm not saying it didn't work, but like they all of, all of a sudden they're like going back to some characters that like you know had only been referenced in passing up until that point, really. Yeah, in, in all honesty, I, I wasn't crazy about the reveal of like who Ghostface was in this movie. Um, I, I did like that that. Uh, Bailey, Detective Bailey, uh, Dermot Mulroney ends up being one of the killers. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, I cracked up, you know, the first time I saw it when he's like, uh, when I think it was Sam was like, it's you. And he's like, of course it's me. Ah. Um, which made me laugh. But, um, the other two killers, I mean, like we're firmly in the spoiler section now being Ethan, who we don't really get to know well during the movie. Um, he's kind of a, his alibi checked out though. Somehow his alibi, he was an econ. Um, but that's fine. But, but they did not, they did not actually wasn't. ask. Well, well, I guess that's the other thing. It's like, do we do we know who the ghost face was that like showed up at the house? Was it was it the dad? I guess there are there are there are many scream fans hard at work and try to figure out who was who and what scenes. Okay, but because, I don't because, know if, because if his if his alibi checks out and like they needed someone to be like go stabby stabby on Quinn, I guess it, it, it could be the fake dad. Stabby like, stabby, fake fake stabby stabby. Someone oh oh right. Well, I guess Quinn ends up being the third. Well, I, 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 right. So I guess she could have like fake stabbed herself. And like she's like making those noises, and they think she's having sex because she's the sex positive one. Maybe she just like did all that to herself, it, and then the dad just shows up or something. And then yeah, and, and well, then it, starts... it, ha it has to be it has to be either either the dad or Ethan because obviously she's we see we have a scene we have a shot of Ghostface just standing behind her, which we find out I guess is just uh you know Ghostface being impatient or like trying to get the show on the road. He's so I guess I guess, I guess, it, I guess so it could be the be dad. But I guess it yeah. could be I guess it could be the dad, and then the dad had to like back out and show back up as the cop, but the first cop on the scene so he could roll right. her body out. Right. Assuming they checked Ethan's alibi because they probably wouldn't let Ethan keep hanging out with them if his alibi didn't check out. So, I mean, the logistics of this are sometimes, eh, you know, whatever. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. There's, there's, oh, that's, 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 that's one of my, I guess, overall, I love this movie, but mm -hmm. one of my, my minor qualms about it is like, you start to think about parts of this movie for a couple minutes, it starts to fall apart. There's a few things that yada yada is, which I mean, it's yeah. fine if it if it's fine if it gets all the other stuff right and it gets the action right and it gets the kills right and it gets and the performances are good, which you know they all are. Uh, but like, I, I guess I guess my thought was like, you know, it tie like you see like you told me afterward, it does tie back into two and in that there's like it's kind of a revenge thing from from someone else that, that had a connection to someone in the first movie. Um, I mean, I, mean, I like the visual of that fake theater in the shrine. But at the same time, it was like, what the fuck is this family's deal? I mean, like, these people are just all that. I guess you could just say, like, hey, I guess it runs in the family that they're just all that unhinged and that they're just going to be like, yep, we're going to be all unhinged for our, our son that was, like, also just a crazy person that, like, you know, traveled across the country and is just a complete sociopath because he could be that messed up but then still trick someone as beautiful as Marissa Barrera into, like, you know, being his, being his girlfriend and then, like, ingratiate himself just because, like, that's the one thing he planned on doing. You know, sure, fine. Uh, but then, like, the fact that, like, he is that much of a psychopath but his family is that much of a psychopath, I mean, it's awfully convenient, but at least it makes a little more sense than like say i don't know the motivation in scream 4 which i guess like was uh like was very very thin so you know it I, in some ways i think it's better in some ways eh, maybe not i'd say it gets enough other things right that like it didn't really bother me but i was just like man this is a lot of trouble to go to like i get, I get what well, did they say that did they say that richie put together the whole shrine or did they do that for richie i think richie put it together i had to double i had to watch it i guess a third so time he now, he, like so he tracked down all the memorabilia from the other murders and the stab movies and all the masks and he did all of that and then it's like all right now i'm going to california to like uh to to, to like make billy loomis's long lost daughter my girlfriend yeah i yeah i it's, it's that's one of the things that kind of yada yada i'm not i couldn't tell you with 100 percent certainty if richie put it together or his dad like helped him put it together uh, or exactly how that worked. It it kind of got yada yada just because the shrine was just really cool and seeing all this all this stuff from 
the first five movies and like i mean even this you know the big screen fan of me i'm like holy crap like it's mm-hmm. it's billy's shirt that you know he died in or um you know all this different stuff in there i forgot at the end of five did they say how richie even knew that she was billy's daughter uh they, they said they amber, amber amber knew i forgot how did amber know she, she says like um come on it's a small town and your mom's a drunk uh, like so yeah so she must have told richie i'm sure Okay, that makes sense. That, that that makes sense. And then they met on they met on the online forum or whatever. Yeah. Um. But it's it's like if it's that small of a town, like how did uh how did Tara not find out herself then? If it's like that well known of a secret, but you know, it, it, I whatever. But like I guess it, I guess then it makes I for I guess that make if her mom is like that on their mom is that unstable, which they don't really portray her to be for like the I think don't we see her for like five seconds and um you know do we we don't no, see her we, in five we don't see her in five do we the the only the only references we have to her in five is that in the opening scene. Uh, Ghostface poses as like a member of of group in air quotes. Um, yeah, of the same group, you know, whether it's AA, NA, or whatever. So we understand, like, okay, she's in some she's a- some kind of probably a you know substance abuse thing. And then we get a reference that later she's a drunk and what? that she was she's out of town or like across. Like, you know, I forgot. Did they, did they ever even address if Tara's dad was in the picture? Um, no, they just say that he left uh, after he found out. Some, that- some, someone in that family has done well enough that they have a really fucking nice house of being a screen five and like a very expensive part of the country to live in. So I'm, well, curious, I'm, I'm curious how that happened. You know, regardless, like, I guess it kind of makes sense. Like they said they, that, that like her, their, their moms had enough issues that it would almost make sense that they would both become estranged. But, you know, Tara is they have a very nice house and Tara is still able to afford to go to college in, in, in New York. Um, but regardless, I guess I would just say that like, yeah, I mean uh you maybe maybe they have to like yada yada some stuff about richie to be able to like get all the stuff in that room but yes it, it is cool i like the setting that they use with that fake movie theater like it makes sense that like new york is one of the like you know makes sense there might be a theater or two like that just laying around new york that i guess someone could take over though it's like i also don't know how they afford that to you know just like own that space and sit on it when it's like the dad the, the dad is just a cop i don't know how much what kind of money the mom has it's like you know some stuff you just shouldn't think too hard about i suppose yeah um, yeah a couple other things um, I would say uh, as far as like other nitpicks, if we're at that point in the movie now, well, I would say, and, and this kind of goes back to kind of thinking too hard about a couple scenes here and there, the beginning of the movie, which we didn't even talk that much about the opening scene. Oh, we, sh- we and we should. We uh, should. It stars Samara Weaving as the person you know is going to eat it right, right off the bat. She was the star of uh, the director's ra- uh, Radio Silence. The, the guys that directed it, they Matt, Matt Bentonelli Open and Tyra Gillett, they're, they, they're the Radio Silence group. They, they did ready or not where Samara weaving was the star of that she is here as the person that you know is just like not in for good stuff at the beginning uh she at a restaurant and you're she seems like a very pleasant person and uh but is you know getting word out by her date that is supposedly not able to find the place and they they were her new alley and all that and I, I will say i forgot to mention earlier that one thing i liked about that scene because you don't really know where it's going with who the ghost face is and while some of my criticisms are closely related to that i, I did get a little bit of a rush out of like seeing ghost face take off the mask that early in the movie oh yeah yeah so i think a moment to talk about like mm-hmm. sc- scream openers i mean like the first one is just absolutely iconic uh with drew barrymore uh getting killed in the first 15 minutes of the movie it's iconic and Scream has kind of, I wouldn't say he's been a victim of that success, but it's Choose, become, choose is really good too. Jada Pinkett. Two, yeah, well, I, I would say all of that. I enjoy all of them. Scream 2 is great with Omar Epps and Jada Pinkett in the movie theater, which I was joking with my wife that I'm like, we went to a fan event opening on the Thursday before the movie opened. I'm like, that's how I'm trying to be. I want to be in a theater full of people in ghost face costumes, um, hopefully with less murder, but. Anyway, when, you and, when I, you and I left it the next night, there was a, a, a parent letting their child run around in ghost face. And I was just like, I just give it a disappointing look. I'm like, ah, that <laughs> doesn't seem safe. Yeah. At Scream 3's opening, I, I like a lot with uh, with Leif Schreiber. Um, oh. I, I think that's a pretty good one. Um, Scream 4 is a little controversial or a little more like mixed reaction because it's like a movie within a movie within a movie. Um, Scream 5's opening, I loved because I, I, didn't, op- I didn't I didn't like 4 that much. Yeah, yeah, not everyone likes it. I the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh, holy crap! That's why that's crazy!" Like, I, I want Amy T. Garden, aka Joy Taylor, to get more work, but that was just like it was just like exhausting actually to see how many yeah. of those they did. Yeah, um, I get that, and yeah, and Scream Five I love because it opens on Jenna Ortega, mm-hmm. so you figure, okay, she's gonna die in the opening scene, and she actually, despite getting you know pretty badly hurt, and they they, they the, show the scar on her hand in this movie, yeah, They're consistent. Yeah, so you know, five openings coming into this that are all in my opinion, at least good, if not mm-hmm. great, and yeah. if not iconic. So is, they, 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 yeah, there's a lot to live up to. So it's a lot to live up to. So coming into this one, 
Uh, it starts out with Samara weaving at a bar. She's talking to a guy on the phone. He leads her down a dark alley. And while I th- I thought that was like replacement level for our baseball fans out there, like replacement level opening at first. And I'm like, okay, obviously the guy on the phone with her is not actually a date. He's the he's Ghostface, like obviously. So when Ghostface appears and you know kills her, I'm like, all right, fine. And then go then he takes his mask off. And at that, I literally like like I gasped. I was like, oh my god, I, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know where we're going with this now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, that's where it went from. Like, this is maybe the weakest opening of the whole series to now we're doing something completely different. And but I'm, I'm in. But they kill him. They kill him off like less than ten minutes later. Yeah, so, yeah. And, I mean, and, I, I guess I said it, the, the ending obviously worked well enough for you with that revelation. But how would you have felt if we did like a whole movie where like that guy was like, even if he wasn't part of their group. If he was still around, how would you have felt like if we just had like a person around the whole time that we kind of knew his ghost face? Do you think it would have like, do you think a movie could work like that? If like the ghost face is a little more less of a mystery, do you see a version of a screen movie that you're into where that is the case? I'm sure I, I have enough faith in radio silence mm-hmm. to think that they could do it capably. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know if that was what they were like in that, in that five, 10 minutes where we, you know, see Jason unmasked. Um, I, I because, trust so, because, they could do it capably. Because Tony Rivori is a very interesting actor, and I was like, "Oh man!" Like I, I, I was up until like he actually got he actually got killed. I was like, "This is actually really interesting." It's like, what it, yeah. what is the deal with these guys that are like talking about like planning something? And I was I was kind of into it. I was like, "Oh wow, are you gonna like you know follow trying to figure out these guys that can put on a regular relatively normal face?" Because I think you see him also talking to Tara for a second. Like, they're yeah, yeah, he walks back. yeah, yeah, they know each other. So if someone like that was in proximity to her, but not a close friend, but like around, and then you just saw Ghostface jumping out at certain points, and then maybe he pops up in other circumstances throughout the movie. Like there is a version I think that where that could be pulled off. That's not the direction they went here. And my thing was like, I still give the movie a thumbs up overall, but I'm thinking about it at the end. I'm like, uh, one, uh, one, I guess one, one and one a the questions it raises for me are, uh, how did they even figure out that those guys killed the teacher, and and two. We're, 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 I guess we're led to believe that the ghost faces we meet at the end are the ones that killed them. But like, why, how, and to what end? You know, are they monitoring other ghost faces that they just want to kill? Like, wh- why, why are they on their radar at all? Those guys have, those guys have no connection really beyond him being a, a somewhat of an acquaintance of Terra to our core four that these people are kind of more interested in getting revenge on. And, 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 and they also like really, as far as we know, don't really have any connection to the teacher either. So it's like, yeah. why are they, why, why are they monitoring these guys who, could it could have been interesting on their own you know well yeah well it may be too much thinking about it but like um kirby says that she was monitoring uh tony revelori and his roommate's internet activity uh, so maybe they were following so maybe, her yeah well so maybe they were being a little too loud and you know dermot Maroney's is a police officer as well maybe he got wind of it or something mm. and that's how he knew these were people to might be planning something. I bet it, it, it was. It was just something. It was just something. It. Yeah, but it was just something they got yada yada. But I also that yeah. I also felt like could have been addressed with a few lines at some point somewhere. Uh, yeah. So that it was just something that I kind of like couldn't help but think about later on, especially since I saw like another version of this movie that was like incredibly compelling, where it's like because you don't really like you always just kind of like learn the psych what, psychology of these ghost faces through like a bunch of monologues or exposition at the end when they get unmasked. It would have been different to like watch them, you know, like us slowly have to kind of figure this guy out on our own when we already know who he is. And yeah, it, it'd be it, definitely it, a definitely different version of the movie that could have that could have definitely been ex- extremely and, 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 interesting. Hey, and they're, if they're going to keep making these movies, maybe that's something they'll do later on. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to like uh, fret about it too much. It, 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 but like I, the, the moment where he took off the mask and like it was a, an actor that I am familiar with who has like done very different things before, you know. Uh, his, I, I don't know if you've ever seen Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, I have. Yeah, so like that is like a, you know, that, that that's come out like what, over 10 years ago now. He's doing something very different in that movie, but he's like, but like, I, I, but then like in, in the Spider-Man movies, he is like, you know, he's playing like kind of like a, like, like a, just like a douchebag. Uh, so like I've seen it, I've seen this guy and I've seen this guy like just do a couple of different things before, but never maybe something like this, like disturbing in a way. Whereas, you know, in some ways like Grand Budapest, that's a more, that's just a, a wholesome character uh, in, in Spider-Man. He has fun comic relief and he's just like a rich douche. 
And it was like, oh, I, I could see him here, like just doing something that's uh, just like uh, kind of disturbing, but something that like as I, I'm sure he has the capacity for that as an actor because he's done good stuff. So I was into that for a moment and then it left. But like that was like a thrilling moment just to see a ghost face take off the mask early in the movie. They didn't exactly capitalize on it, but it was still kind of, it was still a, a pretty interesting moment where I'm like, oh, what kind of mold are they breaking here? Um, yeah, like I said, I that it was one of those moments that, you know, we're six movies into this franchise now. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the beats of these movies. So, like, to have that curveball in the first yeah. eight minutes or whatever, I was like, okay, we're doing something. You know, we're, I don't know where this is going. And right. I, I like that feeling. Yeah. Well, all right. So, last thing, we touched on this earlier a little bit. And I, your answer is, I don't really care. My question to you is, has the stab been devalued too much in this universe? The stab, literally, not the movie franchise. <laughs> uh, the stab movie franchise, obviously, still going strong after yeah. the disaster that was stab eight, of course. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, we were talking about this a bit after we got out of the theater. That's been probably the biggest criticism around the movie has been that. Chad is Superman. I didn't know I was signing up to see a huge superhero movie, but he is literally Superman. Yeah. So, like, a lot of characters, in fact, you know, basically all the characters, all the main characters get injured, get stabbed in this movie. Uh, You know, know, both Sam and Tara get stabbed. Tara in the back and gut. Chad gets stabbed. Yeah, when she and Chad are kissing. Like she gets snuck up on and literally stabbed in the back. And it's like, but you, you you wouldn't even know from the rest of the movie that that happened. I was like, wait, did I, did I see that scene? Right. Cause she does not seem slowed down at all. Right. Whereas like, so that was just kind of weird. They just didn't address it. Whereas with like both Mindy and especially with Chad, they just straight up got left for dead. Yeah. yeah. Chad, Chad gets um, stabbed a lot. Uh, yes. By two ghost faces at the same time, which we've never seen before. Which yeah, was, presumably uh, it has a long time before medical attention. Is yeah, a good, right a good amount of time. And which we call it, which uh, to, to a little sidebar on on that scene, the the multiple, the quick succession of stabs, and then the two ghost faces wiping their knives like at the same time was like maybe the coolest scene in the movie to me. I loved it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Mindy gets stabbed. Um, everyone gets stabbed. Courtney Cox gets you know near death, like, but they all survive, which. Yes, getting stabbed once is not going to put you out of commission in this movie unless you were literally stabbed in the face or sometimes not even if you're stabbed in the face um, because, yeah, in the neck or in the eye or something like that. I'm not a doctor or a coroner, so it's hard for me to say, like, what's more realistic or not. Like, there are times in other movies where characters get stabbed once in the gut and they die or stabbed once in the back and they die. And I think part of that might have to do with what, not just what, the director and the screenwriters want to show what they're allowed to show. So we talked about scream three where uh, it was made post Columbine and there was a big moral panic about um, violence in movies, violence in video games. So scream three is a lot more sanitized even than anything else in the series. So they're excited to maybe show more blood in this one. Yeah. So they get a chance to show, show more gore, show more blood. So the kills are gorier, but that means the attacks that, you know, are not fatal can also be gorier, but I so part I'm of two minds. After listening to the Halloweenies podcast, I'm of I'm of two minds. I on the one hand, um, I like all these characters. I'm happy to see them for more time on screen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like devastated that Chad ends up surviving, Mindy ends up surviving, that everyone ends up surviving. Basically, I'm not upset about that. On the other hand, you do kind of if you're if you're gonna have these characters survive, don't have them all get stabbed brutally. Right. Like, well, that's, that was my question. Like, maybe get stabbed in a way that just puts them out of commission. Yeah. I guess like they the want or something. But I feel like they want to like put the characters in a space where it's like they got to go through the realization. Like, they want to see. They want Tara to be upset that Chad died, and they want to see that like terror and horror and sadness on her face. But, uh, you know, I I feel like there's enough other traumatic things going on around. They're doing a good enough job of like making these scenes memorable when they kill off the side characters. That like. It just feels like a weird gotcha pull the rug out from yeah, under exactly, you when you exactly. stab him to this extent. Like exactly, maybe, and maybe, do it, do it, do it, do it once, do it like once per movie because like like do we do we literally supposed to die in the first one? Like he gets stabbed mm-hmm. in the back, uh, collapses, and like he's supposed to be done. They only kept him in the movie because they like they literally filmed a scene like the last day of shooting. Like hey, just like let's do one with you getting into an ambulance and surviving just in case and see what happens. And then he mm-hmm. you know. He tested so well, they're like, eh, keep mm-hmm. him in the movie. Okay. And then in, in Scream 2, we don't really see it all because it's a little bit off off screen. Like, we only see Courtney Cox's reactions. But, like, he gets stabbed in the back again and, like, torn up. Like, we hear the stab. We hear, like, the stabs. 
but we only see Courtney Cox's reaction. He's there in that, like in the film room, like yeah, overnight, that was, that and they brutal. pull him out. Yeah, so like it's not on. Um, there's there's yeah, there's just, precedent for yeah. it, but like just don't don't do it with like four characters in the same movie. Do it once, like well, okay. yeah. Like yeah. Chad has Chad has big Dewey energy, so do well, it with Chad. He's Superman, but everyone like even they need to do that less in in the next one. I guess it was even it was a little better done with Mindy because there's like at least a lot of people around there on that subway platform. Maybe someone can get to her to kind of help, even if she like was stabbed pretty deep in the stomach. But it's like maybe just have it. Maybe that's maybe a better way to do it, where it's like a little more ambiguous, I guess. But like with with, with I think this is kind of over the top with something like with what happened to Chad. And like it's like have him stabbed in a point where it's like maybe like where another like kind of what happened with me. Like I'm saying where a character has to leave him behind, so there's some uncertainty, but not just like stabbed like twenty something times and then like left for the next like forty five minutes and yeah. with 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 presumably without like any kind of like cops being called to like or nine one one being called. It's like it just it it just feels like kind of like a cheap and not all that well thought out it's like right I, I don't need those stakes like there's tara is going through enough that you don't need her to think he's dead and because then you run into the same problem where it's like i had i saw her having a laugh like five minutes five to ten minutes later with sam about something and it's like yo the guy that she really like is falling for it it's like got murdered i don't buy that she's like gonna even be able to have this level of relief with all the danger surrounding her how about just like not make it that quite extreme I think it'd be fine and say I, you're, you're going to avoid that eye rolling nitpicking and you can still have like some, some other blood in some form is, is yeah. what I would say. Yes. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of two minds about it. Mm-hmm. They need to not do that in the next movie, mm-hmm. which is again, why given that the core four all survive, I, I think one of them's going to go pretty early mm-hmm. in the next movie. That's, that's, my, that's your prediction. That's, that's my prediction. I, my, my bets on, on Mindy or Chad, but I'm definitely taking a long odds, but a, sleeper on on sam but i don't know if that's i don't think that's gonna happen but anyway um also say yeah they, they need to not keep doing that like they did M- so mindy mindy's too, good of, mindy's too good of a narrator i actually really enjoyed yeah. those scenes this movie where she was like breaking it down and talking about all the movie stuff especially compared to how much i hated it in the last movie so I, 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 I want her to stick around and I, chad can eat it i, I don't care about well, him but yeah I, and also kirby also had the the you know survived like a gunshot wound or two a stab or two like and she's okay so it's like you did it. You did it too much in this oh, movie. Yeah. Like, I forgot they did it with Kirby too. Yeah, geez. yeah. Which it, it's rough. I mean, and it, this is like the big argument on like the scream and horror subreddits right now, which is like, is this even plausible? And like, yes, it is plausible. There are cases of people being stabbed forty times and getting shot and surviving. But like, it, like it's a horror movie. Like people need to die. Uh, people that you care about need to die at some point too. Well, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. It's like part of what I like about these movies is they feel a little more grounded in reality than like your average horror one because Ghostface is so it, it is so prone to actually getting tripped up. So it's like when people exhibit superhuman strength like that, it doesn't seem consistent in that way. Last question for me to you. One thing, it, it seems like they're setting up like, you know, this Sam is still like uh, not right in the head completely. Uh, she's having these visions of Billy and she at the same time is like admitting that like, Hey, something, it's a little weird how good I feel when I stab people and unnecessarily literally puts on the mask to like, uh, do her, do the final stabbing of this movie. Do you think that, we, like, we, we, we love that she's here for drama. We love that she's, she's here for theatrics. Well, that's why I think your inclination is to bet on Mindy or Chad as the, as the person that eats it early in the next movie. But you said possibly Sam. The reason I don't think it's Sam is because I think they're setting up some longer arc with her. Like, I don't know if she turns, I don't know if she, it would be that she turns bad, but like, I think like, what, is there somewhere else you would like to see them go with that? If they're not, if apparently her therapy is just not doing the trick as glad as we are that Tara is now in therapy, it's not working for Sam. And she is like being overcome by some darkness. Uh, do, do you see it going somewhere else with her? Well, let's be real. The therapist is the therapist in this movie is a really terrible therapist. Yeah, he's really bad. He's really he's bad. He's really like, bad. He's, he's like, like, tell like, me, t- tell me all your darkest secrets. And once she does, she's like, he's like, get the fuck out. But also, like, he's been seeing her. It seems like he's been seeing her for like a while. Hasn't and he gotten her to open up at all. Hasn't thought to Google her name. Like, come on. Um, but that's besides the point. Um, yeah, I- I'm not really sure where they're gonna go with that storyline. Um, I-, I really, I don't know. Like, I-, I think a plausible route would be that she like. On on a podcast I was listening to, they were talking about maybe like she is out hunting a ghost face or something in the next movie or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really don't know where they're going to go with it because it seems like they're setting something up where that like yeah. that's not going away though. Yeah, but then it seems like she turn. You know, she leaves Billy's mask on the ground when she True. leaves the crime scene at the end. So it's like I, I really don't know where they're going to go with that. 
And, and like I said a couple times in this pod already, like I trust Radio Silence to come up with a compelling, compelling plot line with that. Um, even though I think Ski Ulrich uh, appearing, he he looks uh less and less seventeen uh, every time he appears. Mm-hmm. Very true. I, well, I I wasn't sure if he was supposed to look seventeen in that, or they were, they were just like, here's what your dad will look like if he's old, because he did not look seventeen well, at all. So, uh, um, anything else that we haven't talked about yet that you want to touch on with the movie? Any final points you want to make? Um, let me turn to think. Like, yeah, I think I I'm very rarely scared by by slasher movies. I enjoy them, but I'm not really scared by them. This movie was incredibly tense i i can't remember seeing scream one two or three for the first time i i watched them all when i was probably a little too young um you know seven eight nine years old or whatever but i saw scream four and scream five and scream six in theaters and this is definitely the tensest out of the three of them uh the bodega scene incredibly tense the subway scene very tense the, the ladder scenes incredible uh one of the best kills i think in the whole series there um so i i just i really give this give them credit for making a, a really, if not scary for me personally, a, a thrilling movie to watch. Uh, like, you know, we talked about it after we, after we saw it together, that it's very fun and entertaining the whole time. Um, so I, I'll give him a lot of credit for that because it was it was very good. And it, I might put it in my top two screen movies. Mm. I'm I'm you have to say I, it here longer. You know, there's other movies so well. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm not ready to say it for sure. Scream fans love put you know, talking about their, how they rank the whole series, but, and, and I, I say this with hesitance because when Scream 5 first came out, I put it right up there with Scream 2. Like, the original, the first movie is my favorite. It's going to always be number one, but, and Scream 2 is my second favorite, and I put Scream 5 right up there with it, and then after seeing it a couple more times, letting it sit a little bit longer, letting the excitement kind of fade, yeah, it slipped down to a, a distant third, but this one, I think it's better than Scream 5. I think it's right up there with number two, and we'll see if I think the, think the same thing when Scream 7 comes out. But yeah, definitely up there. And the other thing I want to say, is just as a franchise, you know, someone who loves this franchise, I am so happy to see it in the position it's in right now because um, mm. when yeah, I... because they, first... they thought 4 was going to be the new thing and it just didn't do it. Didn't do it you know? Yeah, yeah. So like when... Cause I, and now two different points since I started enjoying these movies, I thought the franchise was just dead. Uh, in the mid-2000s, like, you know, five, six, seven, eight years after Scream 3 came out, there was no chatter about there being a Scream 4 like the only Scream Four you could get was you know in fan fiction, which I may or may not have read. And I thought the series was dead. So then when Scream Four came out, I was incredibly excited. Um, and Scream Four is fine, but it didn't do amazing at the box office. So when that kind of faltered, I thought, okay, that's it, you know. And then they made an MTV series, which was not that great. It's kind of forgettable. Uh, it's not canon. But uh, and when that was happening in the mid 2010s, I'm like, yeah, we're never going to see Sydney, you know, Sydney Prescott. Uh, on screen again we're never going to see any of this stuff again so the fact that the franchise is not only back but still putting out really good movies uh and still putting out like it, it's got a lot of it's got cultural cachet again which i something more than i can say probably since scream 2 scream 3 jenna ortega's in it jenna ortega's now a huge star thanks to you know her work in wednesday it's you know the number one movie at the box office it's you know got a franchise record for best opening weekend and the series is probably in the healthiest position it's been since Scream 2 came out in 1997, uh, which makes me very, very, very happy. Very well said. Last thing I'll note is, I mean, kind of random thing note to end on, but I just felt bad I didn't give him a shout out yet. I really like Josh Cigar, who plays Danny, who is uh, who is Samantha's uh, secret boyfriend that becomes not so much a secret later on in the movie. But he is an actor I thoroughly enjoy. He is on the show The Other Two, which is a very funny comedy central show where he basically just plays like an ex-boyfriend of one of the main characters but just like makes the most of every scene and he also plays pug on she hulk the marvel series that came out last year and just like it was like another guy in this law firm and i just really really uh enjoy his presence whenever he's on screen he's like kind of portrayed as like oh bad mysterious guy but he can't help but not be that once he actually shows up he's just really he's actually really nice and charming and i enjoy his presence whenever he shows up so it's kind of cool they found something for him to do in these movies really like him and uh, i don't know if he would stick around because this movie this franchise always sticks brings you know keeps people around but like who knows what they'll do for seven i, I doubt they're going to be in the same city so maybe it doesn't it probably doesn't make sense for like sam and her fit mental state to like be in a stable relationship so i i would not blame yeah. that they didn't bring him back but i liked his presence here what one note about him um that yeah. i that i liked was that so obviously uh so in scream one it's the boyfriend 
Okay. In Scream 5, it's the boyfriend. Where And they even make a joke where it's like, yeah, do we nailed it. Like, always look at the love interest. So in Scream 2, um, if you remember Jer- uh, Jerry O'Connell, where he's kind of a red herring in that movie. And literally as, you know, Sydney is staring down Mickey, who's one of the killers. Sorry, spoilers for, for mm-hmm. the 25-year-old Scream 2. He's like, he's taunting her saying, like, oh, Derek's the killer. Your boyfriend's the killer again. Just kidding. No, he's not. And then, and then kills him. See, in this movie where... They kind of set Danny uh, up. Not, I wouldn't say like totally a red herring. Like, he, he, I don't think I ever thought he was the killer. But like the fact that at the end of the movie, Sam is like, "Listen, I can't trust you. You're you're not from Woodsboro. I've only known you for so long. Like, you can't come with us." He's like, "Okay, I'm gonna get gonna get the cops though, so you're not in this death trap all alone this whole time." Um, and the cops come in and you know, end the whole ordeal. Like he he brings the cavalry back with him, and I was like, "That's a nice little, you know." Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know if I would say if I'd call it a straight up subversion or anything. But like, it's like he's like, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Let me go get the cops then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, very, inter- very interesting spin on it. For, I, I, I was trying to place Jerry, Jerry O'Connell for a second. I, I forgot about him for a second. Um, man, I one thing I, I didn't really look at the cast for Scream Two that fast right after we watched it. I forgot that I forgot that it, that Laurie Metcalf was playing Nancy Loomis. That's yep, I, I yep. just did. It didn't even click at the moment. So oh, that's, that's hilarious. That's- that's one of another I mean I could talk about this movie for for three hours but like yeah. um another thing I loved is that this is the first time in six movies we finally get a reference to some of the other killers this movie recognized the sequels more than any other movie like I don't think any of the killers from scream you know the killers in scream 2 is never mentioned again the killers in scream 3 never mentioned again for say you know we never hear about any killers throughout the entire series really except for for Billy and Stu. Um, which is a shame because I, I one of my maybe my favorite killer in the whole series is from Scream Two. But we finally get references; they're finally mentioned in the movies. You know the killers from the previous films, which I was so happy about. I was thrilled. You know, Mickey Altieri, you know Roman Bridger get get some shout outs uh, from the original trilogy and stuff. So I was very happy they finally like talked about the events of any other movie besides the first. So I was very happy about that. Very strange that I was just, I was still looking at the Scream 2 cast list. Uh, Josh Jackson plays film guy number one, who had already been in three Mighty Ducks movies at that point. So he just like really like Scream, but like he, he was a big enough deal at that point. He could have, he, he was above playing film guy number one in a Scream movie, but he must have been like, sure, I'll do a cameo. And I really liked it. But he also has a cameo in like Ocean's Eleven. So maybe he was just into <laughs> doing those kind of appearances or whatnot. Adam, I, I think obviously we both recommend this movie. Not a lot else to say. We gave our final thoughts. Uh, anything else you would want to uh, recommend? to the listeners you've been watching recently before we sign off uh well lately i mean this podcast might come out after it's over but i've been watching mm. the world baseball classic pretty religiously <laughs> it's it's a great great uh baseball tournament i love it. it makes me very happy i went to the israel nicaragua game uh yesterday and had a blast uh in terms of fiction or like media um i'm you know catching up on succession before the new season comes out uh last of us you know got to watch the season finale and stuff so if you haven't checked out those shows or only like some of the biggest shows in TV right now, you may have heard of them. Um, so you definitely, definitely recommend those. Yeah. I don't have a lot of new stuff. I've necessarily been watching in the last couple of weeks. Cause this has been like a freaking blur. The podcast has felt like a second job since I did a lot of Oscars coverage on top of new movies in the last couple of weeks on top of my actual job. So I don't necessarily have like a, 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 ton, a ton of new stuff to say. I, it's just around the time this comes out, uh, the second season of yellow jackets might come out that also stars Jasmine Savoy Brown. Uh, so I would just like recommend that for that reason. I've, uh, Adam and Kayla, you guys got to get your use of your Paramount plus subscription that comes with, or actually if yours, I don't know if yours comes with Showtime. If not, I'm offering you mine to be able to watch yellow jackets. Uh, hopefully no one from Paramount has listened to this podcast and my knows about my offer to password share, but yellow jackets is like a really, it's a really fun show. I probably, I probably promoted it at some point a year, like a year and three months ago when like the first season was airing. But for those who don't know, it's like, you know, it, it opens with like a lost type event with the, in 1996, with a plane going down uh, of a, a girl's soccer team, like going to a playoff game or, or like some kind of national tournament. And they land somewhere in the wilderness of Canada and they're presumed dead and they have to survive. And you, you have one timeline following these girls as they've, as they've survived. Most of whom have uh, the, the ones that have survived the plane crash and along with like a couple other characters that aren't high school girls, like a coaches, like an assistant coach and a, and a, son, and a couple sons of the coach and back in, in the, but then at the same time, there's a modern timeline where you follow at least a few of them who you then know of obviously survived as they're kind of dealing with like whatever the repercussions are of that. still 25 years later, but trying to live their lives as well just a, a very really well done show 
and got, got us and apparently they have like a five-year plan but the second season is going to come out on march 26th it's only the first season is only 10 episodes so not a lot to catch up on so uh highly recommend yellow jackets especially if you watch scream and uh really enjoyed uh jasmine savoy brown's performance as i did uh adam before we get out of here anything you want to plug social media wise or um per, uh, anything else personally um you can follow me on twitter uh at ab lichtenstein where you can get uh some of my scream takes, uh, mostly uh, comments on the Miami Hurricanes assorted sports teams because I cover them for a job. You can also follow me. I'll plug for, the, I think, the first time my Letterboxd account with all of my 15 followers. Um, mm. Follow me at A. Lichtenstein on Letterboxd. So, yeah, I th- there was also a dig at dudes with Letterboxd in this movie, which I took I took as a personal attack that came out of nowhere. I was not expecting that. But, uh, but yeah, so the, the movie uh, is, is uh, Scream is keeping up with the times and referencing a social media platform that is a little a little newer on the scene. Uh, such as such such as Letterbox, but uh, as usual, you can follow me on Letterbox and Twitter at Josh Chernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y. Adam, I think you might have actually plugged your Letterbox on uh, the the end of the Titanic podcast. So people, oh, maybe people, people will have heard that by the time they come out. I think depending on because that, that one is fully edited. So uh, you know, uh, if you missed Titanic in theaters, but have seen it a lot, you'll you can go back and listen to that podcast if you missed it. Coming up next. Uh, uh, this weekend, uh, you know, I know we'll, we'll, we'll be within like, you know, a week or so of like the uh, of like the new John Wick movie coming out, which we will definitely have a podcast on with our friend Daniel um, and uh, maybe another guest on that one. Not going to get ahead of myself and make any promises there. And also the new Shazam movie, who I do not have a guest for yet, but like uh, admits to all of the craziness at DC and how many times it's gotten pushed back. I'm st- I, I like the first one, so I will still be seeing. Oh, sorry, Shazam: Theory of the Gods. Excuse me. So uh, I'm sure we'll do something on that once I figure it out. So everyone, stay tuned for all that. Thanks again to Adam for joining me, and we'll see you next time.